Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub and the Bloom, episode 23. We're going to start our positional reviews of the 2022 fantasy baseball season, see what we can learn from last season to get ready for 2023 and beyond. Lots of fun stuff there. A little playoff talk as well as the uh, divisional series are blowing and going. Second game of the National League are going tonight as we talk. And there's a game that's really, really good that hopefully ends the way it's going right now. But I'm not going to say anything else. You can find me on Twitter at BDentric. My co-host is always on Twitter at RyanBHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how we doing, man? I'll say it. we got we got Padres, Padres Dodgers. We got you rooting against the Dodgers. It's um, it's a heck of a heck of a game. It might there might be like pauses in our podcast, which doesn't make for great podcasting, but that's okay. It's been um, it's been a hell of a postseason so far, man. Like every series has been has been really fun. And I know we talked about this a little last week, like what we're doing for postseason. And I kind of said, like, just like watching this as a fan. And uh, this is why, like, it's been, uh, it's been high drama, high entertainment pretty much across the board so far. It's been, it's been sweet. Yeah. You had the four games to start off the uh, wild card round on the same day. Yeah. Just, it was just nonstop action. You saw the, uh, I don't like saying it this way, but it was the biggest collapse probably in postseason history by the Jays versus the Mariners that helped the Mariners get through, which was pretty awesome to see. We, see the, we talked about it before the show, the J-Rod show, even in their loss to the Astros in game one. He's like the youngest player since I think it was Ted Williams that had a double and a triple in his uh, in, in the same postseason game. So uh, he's been awesome. But yeah, other than that, it's just, it's, it's you know, the Guardians are doing Guardian things like we kind of thought they would with that pitching staff they've got. And um, it's, it's been good, some good ball, some very good ball. And the Padres are trying to keep it interesting. The, the National League uh, has been the more interesting and more competitive of the two the leagues so far. They've had to go three games, and now we might have both series tied at one right out the gate. So we got some fun in the NL. Yeah, uh, the NL was was wild. Just, I mean, the whole Joe Musgrove thing on oh, Sunday night. <laughs> you uh, see McCutcheon's tweet? Ears. Uh, no, I did not. McCutcheon tweets out during the game goes, I bet you it's just like, I think you call it Frank's Hot, the Frank's Hot Sauce. He's all, yeah. I bet you it's just Frank's Hot Sauce. All the A lot of pitchers do it to keep themselves alert on the mound. It has nothing to do with stickiness of the pitch. It just keeps them like alert because it's so hot on their ears. So they'll hit their ears and like rub them close to their eyes and stuff to keep them going. <laughs> 
it's like a modern day Adderall or something. Yeah, that's insane. I'm like, I might try that at first pitch because that's going to be like a three-day just yeah. nonstop thing. Because so Aust- Austin Riley was talking about it on the Chris Rose rotation. He's like, he's like, I don't know what it was because he was playing. He's like, I don't know what it was, but I've seen pitchers do it, and I think it's the craziest thing in the world. I want nothing to do with anything hot near my hands that might go somewhere else. <laughs> he's like, I'm not doing yeah. it. That was, um, I mean, that was the kicker to that series. I mean, that was just, that was just wild. The, uh, the Phillies, uh, I say sweeping, but 2-0 over St. Louis, just that, that uh, collapse in game one, where I think Philadelphia scored six runs in the ninth to win and um, just nuts. How did we do? So I, we both picked Cleveland. We both picked Seattle. Yep. Um, Though I did, I did win a beer bet with Joe Orico during the show uh, last week. So that I'll, I'll take that as a half L Um, I, I know I picked the Mets and I did take the the Phillies. I took the Mets as well. I think I took, I think I took them. I think we all took the same ones in the first round. I think so. I think we were all the same on the first round. More, more great podcast. Yeah. I think it gets more interesting though, as we go on here, because I know I went Houston and you, I think went Seattle again. No, I went Houston. You went Houston. So uh, Guardians and both went Cleveland. I went I went Philly over Atlanta. So After the was, I took play. Atlanta, and then I took the Mets over the Dodgers. You took the Dodgers, I think. Yeah, yeah, so. that's right. So, um, so you've got that. Already. You've got that March Madness. You know, multiple cross yeah. out. That's yeah. That one. That know, part of the bracket's already gone. That one's gone. <laughs> It's a bad feeling, but we, we yeah. don't have anything on the line for this one. No, I, no, I already I, owe you enough. I'll, doing... I'll stop it. Yeah. I'll stop it. Free golf. Mercy. Yeah. Tapping out Mercy. on this one. It's, it's, it. You got me already. But no, it's been fun. And then doing, do uh, you know, watching, watching the postseason while writing forecaster blurbs has been super busy. Like we are fully 100% going on trying to get the forecaster out by Thanksgiving, which we will. But uh, doing that, getting ready for first pitch, it's um, like I said last week, it, this is actually like my busiest time of year and I knew it was coming and here we are. But uh, nice to kind of get away from it a little bit, talk to you tonight and reflect back on uh, Corner Infield. Yeah, these are some of my favorite episodes, actually, because it kind of goes back. It kind of ties into what we did last week is where we kind of learn from the previous season and going back now and reviewing to see this is how I like at least myself and I know Toby and then other people we realized just how good Paul Goldschmidt was in 2021. Like he, he kind of mm-hmm. just, he was so good, but he kind of just like didn't really get talked about a lot. And you started digging in on their player rater and all like, So that stood out. And then some other players that maybe didn't achieve as well, but still we thought did like little things like that kind of open your eyes, either digging more or uh, for your 2023 prep, which is a good way to kind of take a slow approach to get ready. Like we're not going to jump into 2023 right now, but we're, this is a way to start kind of getting the wheels turning as Ryan's writing his stuff, I'm going to start writing black book stuff pretty soon. I'm starting to look into some other articles on stuff. We're, we're still doing things, so don't worry about that. And this is a good way to kind of get the brain working. So as Ryan said, we'll do first base and third base tonight. We'll do middle infield next week. Um, Ryan put together a nice chart using the player rater um, and also the ADPs. Uh, Ryan, when yeah. were these ADPs for? Yeah, so and I'll also, I mean, episode will come out thursday morning so i'll tweet this out thursday morning as well uh but basically took this of course bloomboard style because you know yep, you can't that's what we do can't can't go against the brand or anything but took the main event adp so this was adp in late pretty much late march early april there were like Perfect. 47 i think main event drafts so 15 team league five by five um of course and so i basically just compared that 
with at for each position, ranked them all by their their ADP, and then compared that with just where they ended up at the end of the season in terms of ranking uh, from Rasball Player Raider. And big shout out to Rasball; they do a great job with uh, with Rudy with his tools. Yeah, Gray's great. Gray's all right too. Um, the the Rasball tools are are amazing, and the Rasball Player Raider is kind of like. I know it's kind of the like industry standard for looking at player values and that sort of thing. So I use it all the time. It's um yeah, it's super. And they, actually, if you go on there, they have, it's, I don't know how he does this. Well, I guess I do, but Rudy's got historical player values back to like 1905 crazy stuff or something. Crazy it, stuff. it, um, yeah, check it out. It definitely, I don't, yeah, go, go check it out. It, it definitely puts Aaron judges 2022. Yes. In, in perspective um, just just how good he was but but anyway that was the main premise here is i i just wanted to take the the position ranking by adp we're going to compare that with how how guys ended up at the end of the year at that position um i mean one just thing about like projections and or not not really projections but valuation is like you can get so hung up on the details of like this is a 20 dollar player versus an 18 dollar player so much of that depends on like what hitter pitcher split you use like all this stuff. So yep. try to just keep it simple and say, you know, end of season ranking versus preseason ranking and, yep. you know, not going to be the most um, precise measure out there, but I think it's the simplest. And so it's nice, nice to be able to see everyone ordered by preseason ADP and then color coded the, uh, the end of year ranks. Yeah. And I like it that way too, because the dollar values, it could be different based on your league, but there's so many, so many factors involved there. So there, there are only... entire books written yeah. about that stuff. So it, it can be a whole different animal. It's like SGP is a great thing, but that could be a whole, like, there's so many different things. It's, it's definitely based on what you got going on. And now Josh Hader's coming into the game. This is going to get fun. Um, yeah, I'll try not to cut away too often, but this is already going to get me nervous. Let's go to first base and we'll kind of hop around and it's going to be a free flowing section. We've got a couple of things we're going to hit on. But uh, the first takeaway, I will say right out the gate, because like Ryan said, it's a Bloomberg format. So you see the greens, you see the reds, the colors that stand out. The top five first basemen finished as the top in the top six at the player Raider. So in theory, in theory, you pretty much got your value out of the guys. Like the first first baseman on the board was Ladito, ADP of six. He was the fourth ranked. Freddie was second. Olsen was sixth. Alonzo was third. And Goldie was first. And he was the fifth off the board at pick 66. So middle around four in a 15-teamer. So overall, if you went first base early, Ryan, it looked like it did not get you. It helped you. You, you were just fine. You got 30-plus uh, home runs from four out of the five, which was big, and five stolen bases from more out of four of the five, so they weren't just empty. So I think, you know, we always – well, not always, but there's a, lot, there's a large group that says, you know, you can just wait on first baseman. I know one thing I'm going to mention is there was like a couple pockets of first baseman if you waited you could target. Well, if you went early, you got power and you got some pretty good production. You absolutely did. And the, yeah, the market nailed that top five. And it was an interesting, and I, I'm just kind of thinking back to some of the discussions that, you know, that even we had when we started the show right before draft day was um, kind of just like a, a pocket of first baseman uh, in, in Olsen, Alonzo, Goldschmidt that were all kind of similar, like good average, great power, uh, varying stolen bases. And a lot of these guys, I think, kind of slipped because they didn't have the steals. There was such an emphasis on grabbing early stolen bases that your Olsen's, Alonzo's, and Goldschmidt's kind of kind of slipped down. And so um, that was interesting. And, and like you said, Bubba, it actually it turns out that, like, I mean, Alonzo had five steals. Paul Goldschmidt had seven, which is kind of more or less in line. It's <laughs> it's funny. I have Goldschmidt. Um, 
I had his box for the baseball forecaster and I realized when writing him up, he has not been thrown out since 2019. It's been over three years since so uh, Paul Goldschmidt has been cost stealing. Doesn't attempt a lot, but seven steals. Um, crazy thing is like Vlad Jr. had had eight yep. steals. Uh, yep. Freddie Freeman had 13 and we kind of knew Freddie Freeman, you know, steals were part of the game, but to that extent, I don't know. Vlad definitely. Not. I mean, that was, there was a whole, you know, Twitter back and forth all draft season that if you were starting with, with Vlad, you're putting yourself at a total pit and stolen bases. And well, real quick, I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but oh, all of his steal, all of his steals were in the second half too. That? So I don't know. Wow. I don't know what changed. Or, I remember hearing since I just looked it up right now. All eight steals were in the second half of the season. So that's wild. That's something to keep. That's something that I don't know if like a beat writer could kind of look into that a bit. Or there's got to be some philosophy that changed. The health thing that changed. I don't know. But why would you go from zero to eight? That's like a, that's a large jump for a big boy. Yep. Yeah. The other like just kind of interesting thing here too is like so Vlad. Ended up, so he was like the sixth overall pick. Um, so you didn't, obviously didn't get full value there, but didn't, obviously didn't sink your season. 274 batting average, 32 homers, eight steals. I had, I mentioned this before, um, on the show, drafted Matt Olson in the late third round of my main event. So we're pretty much right at ADP, like 44. Got me 240, 34 homers. Like guys that didn't, kind of early round picks that didn't re- fully return the value, but that's not something you can always expect from your early round guys. You just, you don't want to avoid those landmines and yeah, uh, just don't want them to crush you. That's it. Exactly. And uh, yeah, the market, like you said, just kind of nailed it. Five out of the, you know, the top five all finished in the top six, which is um, pretty impressive, which is crazy. Yeah. And I, I'm not going to, we're not doing third base yet, but I just looked to the right and I'm like, <laughs> market I know. nailed that one too. It's, um, it's like, it's like, wow, God, these people know what they're doing. <laughs> the yes, market actually like, is like smart. Efficient. This game is very hard. That's what, yeah. It's, it's just, yeah. It sums up how difficult this game is. Cause then there's the landmines in the middle when you think you can like take a value and it just destroys everything. Um, kind of goes back to one of my L's last week. But uh, when you jump down after the big five that we just mentioned, you got a Bray at pick 97 Hoskins at 118, and crone at 128. Uh, Abreu was kind of in a, a world of his own, still finished 11th, did very well, 304-15. The power wasn't quite what it was. I don't know if it's maybe the age, just kind of a down season, but the average was still there. But then you had that that grouping of like Hoskins, Crone, Bell, Walsh. That was like a big group. Even Votto, you could throw into that mix. That was like the first pocket. Like I, I, I had two pockets. If I didn't go early, this was one of them. And obviously for anybody that's paid attention to anything I do, I'm a, a, a Reese's Pieces guy, 10th on the player radar, which is huge. Crone was 7th. I would love it, and I bet you Rudy's got a way to do it. I'd love to compare his home versus road player Raider because his road numbers were atrocious this year. Yep. So that's an interesting one there with CJ Crone. But then, you know, Muncie was disappointing. Bell was okay. Cronenworth actually produced, I think, a lot better Raider-wise than people think with 17 numbers and three stolen bases. Then you had like, your Mount Castles of the world, but Votto crushed you. Jared Walsh crushed you. Oh. Max Muncie crushed you in that range. So you still have a bunch of really good players here, but, you know, from seven, six to, like, 14 – you're starting to find some landmines that are starting to make this a little more interesting for you. Yeah. It, it really started to fall apart. If you waited on first base until like maybe the ninth, 10th round of 15 teamers. So starting around that max Muncie um, area, um, because there were, there were Muncie included, but like you said, Walsh Votto, uh, there were a lot of landmines, landmines. 
in that spot. I do remember talking a lot about, and, and you, you mentioned Bubba, you mentioned Reese Hoskins, like you could kind of get similar production from that tier of Hoskins, Crone, Abreu at a cheaper cost than your Olsen, Alonzo, Goldschmidt. That kind of worked. Like from a batting average standpoint, Reese Hoskins hit 246, Crone 257. Um, a little bit lower than kind of that that upper cohort, but in terms of homers, gave you 30 and 29 home runs respectively. So like that part kind of worked. You didn't get the kind of full-fledged production that you would have out of a Freeman, Alonzo, Goldschmidt but you still hit pretty well if you went Hoskins or Crone. So that was, um, that was interesting. You mentioned Abreu and I think it was, uh, I think it was Scott Jensen who, who tweeted this out um, and to kind of build on your, probably your Vlad second half thing. I think Abreu only had five home runs in the second half. Like I didn't realize um, Abreu only, only, I didn't really didn't have him anywhere. Only hit 15 home runs. That's a pretty, that's a that's a very low number for someone who especially uh, hitting three or four. He was exactly. You think, you think he still would have produced power? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, still ended up eighty five runs, seventy five RBI. Like he was fine, but just interesting that uh, only fifteen. That's one of the deeper dot. I know we don't don't want to get too far into twenty twenty three, but like what drove Definitely that? What drove right. that power outage? Was that fluky or was that? Uh, well, and it, that it, it, it's interesting though because, like, he, he, if you look like like you said, the player radar and whatnot, he didn't kill you. But at the same time, I think he did kill people just for the fact that fifteen hundred. You were drafting him probably for thirty plus, and okay. so your whole like for people like yourself or myself and others that kind of like keep a running chart while you're drafting to keep track of your stats, fifteen hundred runs is a big amount. Like that's a large chunk when you're starting to like look at you know projections and everything. And I've said the story two years ago. I went all in on Christian Walker because I wanted the 30 plus homers and he got me like 11. And that's just destroys the rest of your entire strategy just went down the drain basically. So that's where I think that a brain might have, because you're not going to sit him. So that right. makes it a real yep. tricky one right there. there. Yeah. The uh, So speaking of, and I know we're kind of going on, going all around, but speaking of Christian Walker, so yeah. you mentioned that top five all finishing in the top six end of season at first base christian walker is the one who again according to the player raider finished fifth overall among first basemen with uh those 36 home runs and 242 batting average like that was and that was at an adp of 369 he was christian walker was the 29th first baseman off the board in main event drafts and that is just awesome that's free value that you had all season long and Christian Walker uh, definitely came through number five overall. When you can get that at around a 480 P that's uh, those are the types of picks that can win you leagues. If you get enough of them. Yeah. And he was a guy I know that we talked about, I think around the midway point of the season, if you looked like at all of his X stats and his hard hit, all of his advanced metrics, he was like, quote unquote, underachieving. And if you look at his end of the season, like X stats, he's still quote unquote underachieved, but it's a lot closer than it was when we first talked. So his, his overall season, especially second half surge, was quite impressive from Christian yeah. Walker. So I'm really looking forward to seeing, like, okay, you mentioned his ADP this past year. How much does he jump? Does he like get overvalued now? And now it becomes like a a whole other conversation. So that will be something definitely fun to look at, as you mentioned, uh, going forward. Uh, some other guys in the mid rounds that did well, Ty France, and he was injured for a bit too, which is crazy. With 276, 20 home runs, 15th on the player Raider. Anthony Rizzo, even though he had 224, the 32 home runs and six steals. Had yeah. him at 12, but uh, there's a pocket. Like, after Rizzo, there's Voigt, Dahlbeck, Mancini, Guriel, Scope, oh. and Torkelson. 
a lot of red, a lot of red. Knock on wood, scope was the one that I was in on there. Nothing else, thank goodness. But then it gets good. This is where I guess it's either the efficiency of drafters knowing like, hey, here's my corner. Because this is kind of the second pocket. I mentioned there's two pockets I liked. Nathaniel Lowe, ninth overall, hitting 302 with 27 home runs. Rowdy Telez, 13th on the player Raider, 219 with 35 homers. You had Andrew Vaughn, who played very well. Probably should have been even better if drunk Tony played him more often. Then you had Luis Arias and Alec Baum, who were multi-position guys. And then you mentioned Christian Walker. So you have a like a six-pack of players that ranked anywhere from 5th to 21st, but you got them ADP 241 to 369. So that's a very solid corner infield position. I doubt you waited that long for your starting first baseman, but a great spot to get your corner infield. It was. It was. Nathaniel Lowe, Rowdy. We were both big Rowdy guys. Right? I mean, different shapes of that production. But uh, it, it is just funny how you, I mean, you just kind of went through a bunch of those names. It is funny how some of these pockets just totally underperformed and overperformed. Like if you, if you, if you fish in that 280p, 200 to like 250, man, I know, I know we took a hit at HQ with Bobby Dahlbeck. Like we put an upside of 50 home runs on him and that's going, that, that, that really stings and that fell apart. Yuli Gurriel is someone who yeah. um, that's just shocking that the i mean he hit 242 which is not what you think you think empty batting average uh but the batting average would be like hitting 300 that sort of thing hit 242 had eight steals in his age 38 season i think yet still finished 31 overall for first base so didn't really get you anything of what you were planning for so um just interesting to see like the the ups of Ty France and Anthony Rizzo right before pick 200 yeah. and then the depths of that group around 200 and then it goes back up again in the 300s with uh with Telez and Bohm and Walker and all those guys. Yeah, and then if you just if you still waited and were taking darts there wasn't a ton like Seth Brown was 20th hitting 230 25 homers 11 steals and that was with like a quiet feels like September. He really was surging for a bit and kind of quieted down and then Brandon Drury we all know the season he had eighth on the player rate in 263 with 28 and two, but pretty much after Christian Walker, the 29th first baseman off the board, pretty slim pickings. So I guess like the moral of the story again, 15 team league is if you're going to go two, probably go early and overall just take one early is what I'm seeing so far. Now that's easier said than done. A lot of things have to play out. We kind of talked about it last week. Do you take your pictures, this, that, and the other, but first base, like you said, like you said, the market, they nailed this. They nailed it in a big way. Besides like that other pocket, it was mainly up top is where most of your damage was done. Yep. And it'll be interesting to see. So yes, like those top performers who did well, will that ADP will just, I think go up because, well, a couple of things um, you have one more year, that consistency, that track record to kind of get there. But now there's this, I don't know, want to say narrative, but with the rule change, with this thought that stolen bases might be easier to grab now, I do wonder if there will be a more a higher emphasis on these quote unquote four category guys. And I, I should probably say four and a half category for some of these guys, like like Freeman, Alonzo, Goldschmidt, um, and I don't even know Vlad, but eight eight deals the second half is just nuts. Yeah. But um, I, you you are going to have to pay a premium for for that reason. I think folks are going to believe that you can get steals a little bit later, and thus these kind of power and average bats are going to get pushed up. First base is still just kind of taking a step back and taking a macro. It's still a stolen base wasteland desert. Yeah. Um, Freddie Freeman, I think, led the position with 13 steals. You mentioned Seth Brown with 11. And like Vlad, 
Vlad and Yuli Guriel tied for like insane. third. Yeah. Um, There's a bar bet for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so that that part of it doesn't really change. A lot of power, depending, you know, not many, top, not, not much speed. Too. Yep, exactly. And uh, and I, I think what separates the top from those middle tiers is just is that batting average and all the counting stats that come with it. There are so many first basemen. Um, who have that power, but not the BA. And uh, those are almost kind of a dime a dozen later on. Yeah, outside of like your Lowe's and your Telezes and your Walkers, a couple 20 home run guys, but otherwise it's pretty much like 15 and above if you want 20 plus homers. It's really interesting looking at the position as a whole. It's, uh, you know, it used to be the position you can just wait on. There's so many guys, you get all the power, there's this, that, and the other. And still a lot of good players. And some of these guys that had down years obviously could flip next year, but, uh, there's uh, some very interesting takeaways by looking at this chart that I'm hoping people enjoy when it comes out there to on Thursday. Uh, before we go to third base, a couple of just kind of fun questions here. Um, when you were drafted, if you can think back to your early draft season, who were some of the most targeted players at first base you were drafting, like your most common picks for the good or the bad, either way? Uh, the good or the bad. Um, actually got them both on the same team in labor. So that would be Mr. Mr. Telez, which was a hit. For sure. Um, didn't I thought he had a higher bat? He only hit 219. Okay. Like, I feel Real like quick, he... I wanted I wanted to tell you this because I talked about it on the Fantrax tool shed on Sunday night. He's a guy hit 219, but 252 XBA, 479 X slug, 349 X Woba, highest barrel percentages of his career, second best hard hit rate of his career, um, second best max EV. There's something to dig into there for sure. That's that's interesting. And played pretty much full time against lefties. I mean, that was the big thing too with Telez going into the season was are you are you paying for a platoon bat? But they did give Telez uh 115 at bats, only had four homers with a 209 batting average in those 115 at bats against lefties, but a 313 OBP. Like Telez got on base and was at least playable against lefties. So that was um, interesting. And yeah, Joey Votto was another target of mine. I, this We talked about this last week on the, on the L, show, L show, so I will not rehash uh, my misery with that pick. Just, just thought a Hall of Fame player could, could, more time. Could, could keep that going one more time with the change in approach and got burned really badly. Yeah, Reese Hoskins was one I was all over, so that paid out well this time around. And I'm all in on him. I'm still in on the guy. I don't see why not. But uh, I like Reese's pieces a lot still. Uh, I mentioned Jonathan Scope. That was one that I missed tremendously on. But I was also like the Nathaniel Lowe and Rowdy Telezes. I was didn't have a ton, but I was looking at both of those guys in that pocket, that second pocket, if I didn't go Scope. So a lot of Hoskins and Scope is where that went, though. So some good and some bad. Uh, which was the biggest regret of not drafting? I know there's always Captain Hindsight stuff, but even you probably knew it when you left your draft rooms at times, like, man, I really wish I would have taken a chance on this guy or whatever. And then to watch it like unfold the way it did, you're just like, yeah, yeah I should have done that. So who was the guy at first base for you? Um, so I, I, <laughs> I talked about last week about sometimes I don't follow my own advice. Sometimes that's most of the time that's not intentional, but I wrote up Pete Alonzo last year in the forecaster <laughs> And I said, his, his ceiling is our, I concluded his ceiling is already sky high. Think 2019 plus a few more hits. And in 2019, Pete Alonso hit 53 home runs and hit 260. That's pretty good. Um, so I said, think 2019 plus a few more hits. And then uh, the floor is catching up as his track record grows and kind of nailed that in terms of the forecaster. 
but forecaster correct boxes are not a a fantasy category. And so Pete Alonzo is someone I regret drafting or regret not drafting, even though I was high on him. And I, I, I think the big reason for that, I mentioned it before was just, I was so focused on getting speed or that was like the fourth round where I was starting to maybe look at, I know in the main event, I took Sandy Alcantara in the, in the early fourth, I was starting to look at that first pitcher and it was just that, I guess, point in the draft where Alonzo just didn't fall to me. But, um, it's kind of nuts, man. Like, I mean, dude had 131 RBI, 95 that's runs. Game changing. Like, game that's changing. just, yep. And that doesn't get like brought up that much. We nope. usually just talk about batting average and homers, but man, those counting stats with Alonzo, he, um, guy crushed it. Crushed it in a big way. Yeah. Uh, Alonzo was mine as well, but I'll go to a, my second one since you went Pete Alonzo. And that's just a guy I just, I can never get right. Um, Freddie Freeman. I'll just go to the top. Freddie Freeman. Uh, I, the bad numbers, I didn't expect 325. I don't think anybody did, but the 13 steals was tremendous. He didn't, and I think next year he's going to hit closer to 30 home runs, a little more comfortable in LA. So, yeah, that's when I got definitely wrong. I was like a full fade on Freddie. I'm like, why draft Freddie when you can get Olsen or Goldie or something later? And then and again, I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to wait and get Reese Hoskins, which again, didn't suck. But, yeah. you know, the the RBIs of Alonzo, as you mentioned, the batting average and steal combination that Freddie Freeman added at the position, that that's pretty tremendous to, uh, to alter things as you go on through your draft. And you look back at that quite a bit. Absolutely. All right, let's go to third base. And like I said, when I glanced over here, we thought first base was done right. Third base might be more impressive out the gate. The top uh, seven drafted players, J-Ram, Devers, Machado, Witt Jr., Austin Riley, Arenado, and Brakeman, top seven, all finished in the top eight in the Rasball Player Raider. Absolutely ridiculous. They went um, anywhere from pick third to 105. I was full J-Ram as the top two picks with Heinz Train Turner, so I, I got that part right at least, but... There's a lot of success here, Ryan. So how did you uh, how did you like this top third base position? Because it was it's pretty darn impressive. Yeah, remember back when we said like third base was a terrible position, and yeah. that was the that was the thing. Well, up top, like, I mean, yeah, you if if you if you went early, you got rewarded for it. Like, it's I don't know if I've ever actually seen this where two positions like this, and I guess we'll find out with second base and shortstop. I'm, I'm already curious now. Like, Next week is like, did, did the market really nail this everywhere? Um, probably could run those numbers pretty quick, but I haven't yet. Uh, been busy, but it's just it's 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 unreal to see uh, seven of the top eight or sorry, the top seven all finish in the top eight. It uh, it worked. I was uh, in terms of like third base, and I I probably played this wrong, but I, I basically punted the position. I went in, I went way late and got like Evan Longoria. Um, trying to, there was another third Moustakis. That was another one. It was like, oh, I'm going to wait till the way end and get, yeah, Moustakis and Evan Longoria. So my strategy at third base did not work out at all because I didn't have much of, of J Ram, didn't have any Devers, Machado, Witt, Riley, or not. Or Riley was actually, we'll talk about. Uh, kind of most targeted for good or bad, but he was one of my bigger fades. But um, again, well done to the market for uh, nailing that top seven. It's kind of nuts. Yeah, and you got Jay Ram was first, Devers sixth in the Raider, Machado second, Bobby Witt fifth with his 20 homers and 30 stolen bases and 254, Riley third, Arenado fourth, Bregman eighth, Arenado fourth. Like you had the number one first baseman in Goldie and the number four third baseman in Arenado, 293, yeah. 30 homers and five stolen bases. What a great season from Arenado. That was... Very, very impressive. 
And like you look at these three and, you know, first base, you still had some options and pockets. If you didn't go early at third base, this got difficult. Like you had the Quickly. kind of cherry, cherry pick thing. It was like red, green, green, red, green, red, 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 green, red, 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 red. It's, it's, it's pretty rough going through here. So I'll just kind of quickly Muncie, obviously a red, but Justin Turner was 14th. Uh, Ryan McMahon, 15th. Your 11th third baseman, Moncado was 29th. Matt Chapman, your 12th was 10th. So we'll kind of stay in that pocket for now. At least three out of the five were uh, green at 10th, 14th, and 15th with Turner, McMahon, and Chapman. And Chapman kind of had a, a really hot, I think, like month, month and a half but it, it worked out in the overall scheme of things. And I'm still waiting for Ryan McMahon to bust out. Like, I think there's so much more there and he still doesn't do it, but it's good enough. It's just, I think there's more. Yeah. I think we put an upside of McMahon at 30 homers in the forecaster last year. Yes, we did. And I mean, got 27 steals. Like that's, that's fine. It, it's, it's not good to hit 246 in Coors. That's the, that's the thing that I will say. Like Coors is such a, uh, such a batting average haven that to play half your games there and only hit 246. And and really, like, I mean, strikeout rate is low or is high and not good, I should say. Uh, but hits plenty of line drives. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like that'll come up a little bit. But yep. um, I don't know. I've probably been saying that forever with, with Ryan McMahon. But every year I write that, I think, every single year. Just yeah. waiting for it to happen. It just never does. But the uh, other, I mean, the disappearing act, you you want to caught him, man. Like, oh, dude. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Pause in the pod is Freddie Freeman. Almost. It's a double. We got two Almost. outs in the nine. Josh Hader is, is tying around to the plate. Tying around to the plate. Speaking of Freddie Freeman, oh, he uh, is, is not listening to the pod at this moment, but uh, yeah. yeah. God forbid. Yeah, Yon Mankata, disappearing act. Um, it's gotten bad between injuries and just lack of just overall production. They just it's bad, bad, right? Like I don't even know if I can trust drafting him again. He's gonna eventually gonna be an amazing value, but I just don't know if I can even do it. That's the thing, like, and this is I mean, this is almost like a I don't know, like trying to think of a comp, like a Grady Sizemore or like type of type of career arc where like so good so early had the prospect pedigree, and then I don't know what's going on. Um literally the last three seasons you on Makata has done absolutely nothing and still only, I mean, next year will be his age 28 season. Like you can't really give up on the guy. He's going to be dirt cheap. Um, definitely not going to have the, whatever one uh, 58 ADP that he had last year, but man, it's just crazy how he has, he has disappeared off the face. Yeah, one guy. Uh, and, and I know, I know we're, we're Dodger focus here a little bit, but like, I know we've talked about Muncie, like huge bust, but did, turn it around i know you're not the biggest muncie guy 
Bubba, uh, with the strong finish, like hit 261 in August, 259 in September, 12 home runs those last two months. Like, are you interested at all? Yeah, because you know what sucks is before the news came out about how bad his elbow was last season, I wrote up content saying I'm finally in on him. Like, I literally tweeted something out looking at his profile. Like, if you like consistency in your draft, like, why wouldn't you like 30 plus, 30 plus, 30 plus? Like, this, like, he just puts it out every year. Like, this is what he does. And I really think he was just too hurt this year. Like, it's the problem. So, a full off season, I hope they do some. Like, they're not going to have surgery, though. So, I don't know how I trust it. But seeing the development as the season went on, I think I'll be in next year because I'm thinking he might fall a bit too. So I'll, I'll be intrigued on Muncie. Interesting. He loses uh, he loses first base eligibility, but he'll be. And this is something that as we prep for 23, like A, got to know who's a free agent, B, what their new position eligibility. But Muncie will be second and third. So he actually loses first but picks the up third base eligibility. Middle corner infield. That's yeah, still pretty, pretty darn good. Pretty darn pretty, good. Pretty golden. Yeah, man, I keep looking like as you're talking, I just pulled up a bunch of Moncada stats, and it's just he's pretty much league average in everything, but he just does not produce. It's pretty wild looking at everything with him. So definitely I got to look at farther as the uh, the offseason goes on because it's the pedigree. So there, like you said. Um, but yeah, Muncie is a guy like I was so close to doing it when the news came out. So I backed off again, but there's something there that I'm hoping he uh, he gets right. Um, going farther down, like DJ LeMay, he's not even playing in the ALDS. Josh Donaldson, that was a big failure of mine, taking that L in a heartbeat right now. Um, Eduardo Escobar, Bobby Talpeck. But then you have Eugenio Suarez. We went red, 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 green. Ninth on the player Raider. 236, 31 homers, no stolen bases. I mentioned on the Fantrax pod that uh, great OBP numbers as well. Phenomenal OBP numbers. I had him in Tout Wars all season. I drafted him in Tout Wars, so that worked out pretty well. Like, phenomenal OBP guy. But um, it's one of those things, Ryan, like we've seen this from Mayo Henry before. None of us expected it in Seattle because he looked great American small park. Like, do we buy back in on this for next year? Because I'm not paying for helium, but if he still goes late, like we saw this past year, he went at pick, um, where'd he go here at 239. If you waited on third base, Ryan, like you did, is this a guy you'd be willing to take a chance on? Uh, I mean, the, the price, and I hate saying depends on the price, but like Dodgers this is lost. this. This is the same. Yeah, 5-3. Hater locks it up. So yep. Bubba just got a little bit happier. So the, yep. the second half of the pod will be will be pretty joyous. A little on edge so yes, far. Yes. <laughs> um, Suarez, uh, dude, is so interesting. He has essentially been the same exact hitter the last four years. And I hate to, like, rattle off numbers, but I'm just going to – I'm contact rate which is basically what we use inverse strikeout rate at hq 60 it hasn't been great but 67 66 66 64 percent each of the last four seasons um not good but always the same so when eugenio suarez so the batting averages uh to go along with those contact rates in 2019 271 then way down 202 109 in 2020 and 21 and then back up to 236 i feel like he's probably about a 240 hitter on the power side suarez we use expected power index at hq it's it's a go-to for me it's been it was barrel rate before barrel rate was was cool um 145 147 132 149 league average for that number for that metric is 100 every year so um suarez has been elite power consistently elite power and home run totals in those uh seasons i know 2020 you know 15 homers you prorate that out 49 back in 2019 then 31 31 each of the last two seasons so like this is 
I mean, Eugenio Suarez, you're getting 240, 30 home runs with a good amount of, of RBI um, in, in a pretty good lineup if he's, if he's in Seattle next year. So um, long way of saying like this is always this has been the same core person with the strikeouts, but with the power, the results and thus the ADP has fluctuated a lot. It's going to be a little bit pricier next next year, so I'm not sure I'll be in, but um Plan for 240, 30 home runs and, and see where that see where that rates out projection wise next season. And you know, honestly, if you can pencil it in where he's getting drafted, that's amazing. Because usually most people getting drafted there is like a lot of question marks involved. I can like put in those numbers. That's a pretty nice uh, little uh, saving grace to put through there. Again, these are um, off-season podcasts. We'll deviate once in a while. I'm just throwing this out there, turn the Zozo on. Tom Kim's caddy has a Padres hat on. I thought that was entertaining. He's not he's not going with like the Titleist logo. He's wearing the Padres hat. So that stood out like a sore thumb right up the, the gate. The popularity kind of, grows. Yeah, I just had to throw it out there. He's like, you know, most caddies wear the free you know, Titleist hats or whatever. Nope, he's wearing a MLB San Diego Padres fitted hat. So that's what he's rolling with. Postseason baseball, baby. Um, awesome. All right. Um, actually, all one right. guy, one guy you brought up, I want to I, I want to not to rub it in your face, but you no, said you took Donaldson. the L with Donaldson. Like yeah. I would I the, the interesting thing for me with Donaldson was like I wouldn't have been surprised at all to say at the end of the season he hit 261 with 12 homers and finished what Rasball says 24th overall at the position. I wouldn't have been surprised at all about that, but I would have thought it's because he only got like 200 at bats. Exactly. So Exactly. Just, just interesting that he played not the whole season but good. a lot of it and um and only only put that together like i'm sure your thought was i'm willing to take some some injury risk to bet on the skills on a per game basis yeah because like you look at uh, the, the deeper numbers outside of like a massive injury season he's like 25 to 30 plus home runs every single season like with a decent batting average like you can kind of just pencil certain things in kind of like Eugenio Suarez at a point and it's just like that did not happen so that was a tricky one as well after that um Heimer Condelario was 28th on the play rater i was all in on Heimer so that one Really stung, and he had Luis Urias, Nicky Lopez, Harry Sung Kim all struggled. Couple green spots here: Josh Rojas, two sixty nine, nine home runs and twenty three stolen bases, and I think there's more power there. So that's uh, an interesting one going forward. Luis Arias, obviously three sixteen with eight home runs and four stolen bases. Those are your thirteenth and twelfth on the player radar. You got anything on those green guys or some of the red ones I mentioned? Yeah, I I don't know what you think about uh, Luis Arias. Like, I just never can draft him because I can't trust any yes. stuff. It's so tough. yeah. Like I'm this no, I'm the same exact way. He's and like, like Stephen Kwan of the infield, I just can't do it. <laughs> don't don't hate on don't hate on old Kwan just because I picked him a couple weeks and weekends in our in our game and took him free golf because of it. Um, don't, you don't need to hold that grudge. That was ridiculous. Like the, that's a that might go down to the history books of the Bub and the Bloom don't, games right there. Don't, that don't, don't don't hate on on Quan. Um, instead, instead of throwing f bombs that way, we golf also yell Quan. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, I can't really roster Arias either. Like from a valuation standpoint, it looks great. Like the twelfth you know, overall for third base, all because of that three sixteen batting average. And it, I shouldn't say all because that 88 runs too. Like that's something we don't talk about that, that, that does happen. So I hate this. I don't want to call him a one category guy. He's pretty much a two category guy, but I just, I really struggle to get eight home runs and four steals over a full season from somebody like that. So um, I'm still probably like totally off of Luis Arias just because I don't see any real upside in those counting stats. 
he's just a hard roster. He's someone who I feel like because of batting average, the valuation will always look good. But from a roster construction standpoint, like it's 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 tough. You need to like almost neutralize that with like a like a Nicky Lopez and Joey Gallo or something. And you know what happens when when those two start messing with your team. Yeah. Yeah, you start taking way too many chances when you take guys like that. Yeah. Um, the other only green guys we got down here, you have Alec Baum finished eleventh, hitting two eighty, thirteen homers, two stolen bases. Patrick Wisdom was a hint of green at sixteenth, two oh seven, twenty-five homers, eight stolen bases. He was the 29th third baseman off the board at three seventy-eight. Then Brandon Drury, the final third baseman yes. that was not drafted. He is number seven overall. So he was number eight at first base, seven at third base. I don't think I'll be drafting him anywhere in twenty twenty three, but we'll wait and see there. But um, again, if you just look at these boards, Ryan, if you didn't take one early, it was a rough sledding to get it done at third base position. Yeah, I mean, kind of. I mean, the same same general like theme of first base is you've got to, and that then that'll be the theme going into twenty twenty three. Is you've got a rock solid kind of tier one, tier one A for both of these positions, and the middle just seems completely hollow for me. Um, I I don't know. Like Josh Rojas is is an interesting one, Bubba, that you mentioned. Like, cause I I also see that power ticking up. And I, I was just surprised at the 23 stolen bases. Like Josh Rojas was he was cut in I know a lot of 12 teamers. He in, wasn't drafted in, in a lot. He was injured for like the first month and a half or something. Yeah, that's right. And that's right. And in June, he hit 216 with one home run. <laughs> Um, so like patience worth in with Josh Rojas and second half, man, hit 266, 18 steals, five homers. Um, pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, pretty, pretty solid for sure. We'll do some of the same stuff we did at the first base position now. Who are your most targeted for good or bad at third base? Um, God, most targeted. I so I I mentioned Longoria and Mustakis, so I will ring myself. Through the mud again for that. Uh, did get Suarez on my main event team, just like you had in Tout Bubba. So it was nice to just kind of plug that in and go. Um, another target, and this is going to sound bad now, but this was a multi-position guy who was going to play every day and give, I thought at the time, modest five-category production for basically free in drafts, and that was Josh Harrison. Yeah, um just just yeah. i i thought he i thought he could even hit near the top of the order for the white Sox and 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 rack up those counting sets so josh harrison was a miss got him in tout works for cheap and uh i guess got what i paid for um justin turner had always always been a fan of justin turner um had him he was kind of one of the if i went early ish on third base that was one but i i did not shop in that that first tier of third baseman, I got J Ram, I think on one team only just because I had like a top three pick and I thought he was, he was that good. Um, but didn't, didn't pretty much punted on third base and got burned for it myself. Yeah. J Ram was my target. If I could get there, like you said, but if I didn't get there, it was, I did like a lot of Ryan McMahon. That was a popular Josh Donaldson. That did not work out well. Uh, Heimer Condelario did not work out well. So third base was a, uh, if I didn't get J Ram, it was probably a challenge for me a lot of the season because, um, yeah, did not end so well. Looking it's back in, at some of those guys, it's interesting. The power at third base looks a little bit more, looks a little deeper than at third or than at first. You've got a few more 20 home run guys. You've got like your Chapman, Escobar, you got Suarez later on. Seems down more top 31. Um, you know, yeah, the late guys aren't there, there's just none. 
Yeah, that that's a good point. That's a good point. Once you get out of like or what it was last year, like those top twenty rounds, it it's it's gone. Um, a little bit more speed, but not really. You've got maybe a handful of guys who had over over ten steals. So um, from a roster construction standpoint, if you get a J Ram, obviously he's gonna he was a top five pick in our twenty twenty three early DC, but even like Bobby Witt, if, if we're expecting or projecting a 30 steal repeat, um, that's going to really set you ahead in steals at third base um, just because it, it goes down very quickly. All right. I'm going to um, check something real quick because I am really curious looking at the uh, these charts. How did Jose Miranda not make either one of these lists? He's first base and third base eligible. So we're going to have some fun here. I pulled up the player Raider. Um, I got to see it just for my own sanity here. Because he I thought have. he had. Yeah, he he, have, it might be because of the ADP. I don't think he was. Yeah, that's probably what was. You went off the ADP chart too. That's what it probably was 100%. Like, let me pull him up here. Um, uh, it's still loading, but uh, okay. While this loads, what was your biggest regret for the good or the bad at the, the position? Um, so outside of not going in that that top tier, it was fading Austin Riley. I guess that's kind of the same thing. But I remember at first pitch last year's they comping Austin Riley to Ryan Mountcastle, like similar type of batting average with similar type of power, and and that was wrong uh, for sure. Like. Austin Riley, I, I I thought the batting average last year was was a pretty much a complete fluke, and he turned around and hit 273 uh, with those 38 home runs. So, um, well done, Austin Riley, for proving me wrong. Well, Jose Miranda was 30th at the first base position, so maybe not. Interesting. Huh. That surprises me. I thought he was much much better than that. So, before I, I we had a listener go, "Hey, what about this guy?" I wanted to throw that out there real quick because it stood out to me all of a sudden. Um, third base position, biggest regret for me. I was a fade on Riley as well, just like you. Um, but I'll probably go back to it again. Josh Donaldson. I was heavily invested in Josh Donaldson, so that one stung a lot. And um, yeah, between that, like I mentioned, Jonathan Scope before might be one at every position. Might sum up why the season the way it went. But uh, and most of these guys, like I said last week, they're in the middle rounds. Common theme yeah. for my struggles. Oh. A lot of those are in the middle rounds. So and it's funny, like as we'll continue on with these previews to see which positions did hit those middle rounds. And again, like you don't you you don't want to look too much into one year and call it a trend. But when you're formulating kind of these offseason draft plans, I think it is important to see like what happened last year and, and which positions were fruitful in those middle rounds because uh, it absolutely was not corner infield. Um, I can say that with confidence. A lot, I mean, quick shout out to like in terms of someone I was targeting, this wasn't like a draft day target, but I was pretty quick to jump on the Brandon Drury train. Um, yeah. And that worked out really well. Like the early season power metrics looked great but then you also had at the time great american small park and um everyday playing time with cincinnati so that that kind of went down a little bit at the end of the season with drury when he got traded to a worse park and a team where he didn't play like every single day uh, but brandon drury 268 23 or 263 with 28 home runs um off of fab for not much of fab is is uh, was a pretty big win for a bunch of folks out there Looks like on fan graphs they're saying he's a free agent next year too. So that can make Drew things Reed. interesting. Yeah. yeah. That can make things interesting to see where he lands for one. Um, and I'm just 
I'm concerned. Like Great American Small Park was great, but uh, I was worried about his time in San Diego. I think he still played fine. Did fun, but I was just like worried about playing time, production, a lot of things, and he did well. So I'm curious to see where his ADP is starting out here and where he lands. Like not knowing yeah. where he's going to play is a healthy gamble. I know it's like Captain Obvious stuff, but that's a healthy gamble talking about Brandon Jury. So that'll make it fun as well. But um, yeah, it was quick. It was fun. It was it was interesting to see these. Like the visualization of the bloom boards is in full effect, looking at the greens on the tops of these. And it, I don't see it changing much for 2023, to be honest. I think there's going to be a lot of similarities, at least at these two positions. We'll see how the other ones look in the coming weeks. But uh, any final thoughts, any weekend playoff thoughts as we have uh, both NL series now tied at one. We have the AL taken over on Thursday for their game two. It's got some fun. Just, just hoping for as much playoff baseball as possible. Um, another, in, I mean, an interesting subplot is like so with San Diego winning Wednesday night. Oh yeah, Fernando Tatis has one more game uh, next year. So like, <laughs> San Diego just playing as many games as possible. They were one of the few series, or maybe the only series that went to Game Three. Um, Both so. NLs went three. I thought no, maybe no. Philly, I think Philly, Philly, yeah, Philly swept San Diego. You're right. Philly swept um, St. Louis. So only got one game on That's Sunday. Right. Um, and somebody tweeted out, I think if they go five games against the Dodgers, I think Tatis comes back at like the end of the first month of the season. Yeah, like yeah. it becomes like a two and a half week thing now, which makes it a lot more interesting. Like I think in the first DC that was not ours, the one that's actually been going on in FBC, I think someone took him in early round three. Is what I saw. So okay. it's going to get interesting to see what that, that continues to just, change. I think that'll just go up. I know, yeah. I know Zach Waxman took him, I think fourth round yeah. in our, our way early one, but um, so that that's an interesting plot. Like, I, I mean, just in general, are, playoff wise, Bubba, are you, are you factoring any of this stuff in for next year? Or are you just kind of ignoring playoff small samples? I look at it. I don't like ignore it, ignore it, but I also kind of take it with a grain of salt because you're facing elite pitching matchups are crazy. Like sure. You want to see some guys do well, but yeah. I'm not going to go all in on it. Like on yeah. shortened seasons, like the Rosa Reina's of the world and stuff. Well, that was great to see, but on a season like this, if all of a sudden some random guy pops up, like it's not going to change my thoughts on Jake Cronenworth just because he went yard tonight. Like I've always been a fan of Jake Cronenworth, stuff like that. So it's funny we'll you see. mentioned the short season. Cause that is like the one year 2020 where, where I mattered. did use it just because yeah. like, I mean, we only had 60 games to go on anyway, and the playoffs were expanded that year, just uh, <laughs> frankly, so MLB could recoup money. some money. Um, but that is one time. That was the Arena year. Yep. So, um, yep. That, that so that kind of mattered. They showed guys like Altuve and some other guys with slow starts, but huge postseasons. It kind of yeah. you know, parlayed into the coming year. So made sense. Like, yeah, you pay attention to it, but I'm, I'm more worried about just give me the second half of the regular season. Like we've already talked about certain guys like Vlad with eight steals, you know, yep. Brady with what, five home runs? Like yep. what are those things going on? That seems a little more interesting to me. So I'd rather dig into that and, and see where we go. But um, I think we'll wrap it up there. We got some more fun coming for you guys next week. Second base shortstops and middle infield action. If you guys like anything added to this, let us know. If you have any questions, let us know. We'll take care of all those things as well as we're just reviewing and having fun. Ryan's writing, writing, writing. So he's getting it going there. I'll have some stuff coming out for you pretty soon as well. But uh, until then, Ryan's on Twitter at RyanBHQ. The written content at BaseballHQ.com. I'm on Twitter at BDentric. Okay, catch you guys next time.
Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.